Hi, and welcome to Suited Up, a positive podcast for aspiring entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Carly Grabber. Today, I'm joined by Michelle Addison. You can't miss Michelle's playful yet effortless ensembles as she hops from chic boutiques to fashion events in her busy day as one of Vancouver's top fashion stylists. Michelle's penchant for fashion can be traced back to her childhood years, learning the art of dressing from her grandmother. Few possess the talent to fuse eclectic runway pieces from Bottega Veneta and Celine with wallet-friendly favorites like Topshop and Zara. Her down-to-earth, sartorial approach is exactly why so many women flock to Michelle for her style expertise and advice. A quintessential West Coast woman, she reaches for Celine heels on weekdays and her downhill skis on weekends. Approachable and straightforward, This fashion expert lives by the credo that style is something that can be thought when given the right set of tools. Michelle has dressed a wide spectrum of inspiring women, from stay-at-home moms to business professionals to celebrities. Most recently, she has worked with Nordstrom Vancouver as a million-plus top-seller personal stylist. While selling millions of dollars has many advantages, Michelle relaunched her personal business in September 2019 to seek out authentic connections with her clients and deeper creative pursuits. On her blog and Instagram, this fiery go-getter shares her style tips and tricks, her personal style, and her chic life with her 10-year-old daughter, Stella. Like mother, like daughter, Stella is a burgeoning fashion virtuoso, proving once more that the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. When she's not running her fingers through clothing racks or online shopping, Michelle can be spotted hiking through the many beautiful BC trails, surfing in Tofino with her partner Mark, or walking her dog Harley in the endowment lands in UBC. Whatever the occasion calls, it is always accompanied with a picture-perfect outfit. And I'm so thrilled that she is joining me here on the podcast today. Hi, Michelle. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you for having me. So nice to hear your your bio, your own bio <laughs> being read back. You're like, oh, I sound pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I've had a few people say that and it always makes me laugh. One person was like, oh, oh, I'm going to I'm going to change that up. And I was like, <laughs> right now? Right. Are we at, are we editing this in real time? Like, do you want me to? <laughs> yeah, I'll I'll take that out or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, so I would switch that word. And I was like, okay, synonyms later. Thank you for your time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I have to say, like, I'm such an admirer of your style, but also just your approach to the industry as we were talking before we started recording. You have such a wonderful online presence and really come across as someone who is trying to empower other people who love to look good in what they wear, but also people who are perhaps not as secure in that area and might need a little a little help to feel empowered walking out the door. Yeah. So yeah, to start, I wanted to ask you, like, when did you first realize you had great style? Oh, that's funny. I I actually do believe that there's probably a pinnacle moment in everybody's life where you sort of have a decision, you know, that sort of marking spot where you can either choose to be stylish or 
or sort of not. And I remember my mom, I think I was probably in high school. And I, I mean, I always liked clothes. I was like anyone else. But my mom took me to Urban Outfitters in Seattle. And it wasn't in Vancouver. And it was a big deal. And we went shopping and she was like, buy whatever you want. You can buy, pick out an outfit or something like that. And so it was kind of the first time where I could kind of find things that I thought were kind of cool. And and then I brought them back to school. And I remember wearing my like Doc Martin boots and I had like striped knee socks and this like black kind of pleated skirt and this tie-dye crop top. I don't know. I don't even know. I don't think it was stylish. Like if we look back now, it would have been, you know, something like, what was that show called? My so-called life was on. And I think I wanted to look like Claire Danes. That's what was my version of it. And, you know, I remember someone saying like, it was kind of a catty remark where someone was like, you know, your skirt's kind of short. And I kind of thought to myself, you know, oh, that that's, that's something that could cause me shame. Or I could be like, you know what? I actually look really good. I don't think you know what you're talking about. <laughs> and I chose to kind of be like, actually, I, I think this skirt is short and I have good legs. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I just chose to think something different in that moment. And I, I think that was the moment where I was like, I feel like I want to keep going in this, right? It wasn't going to let that sort of remark bring me down. So I've always, I always just remember that as sort of a defining moment in terms of like people who choose to express themselves or then choose to be timid, you know? Absolutely. First of all, I love that you are like recreating a character. <laughs> I feel like that is such a relatable, I mean, how many girls out there growing up, like, you know, 10 years ago as teenagers were like, so it's going to be a full headband ensemble for me. It's going to be Blair Waldorf yeah. <laughs> way, right? Yeah. And that I feel like to me, like when I was reading your bio, that really taps into your I mean, your schooling going to the Phoenix Theater at UVic yeah. with acting, right? And so often we're we're inspired or we're kind of like creating a character and it's mm -hmm. not, you know, it's not to be silly necessarily. It's just like inspiration and just kind of like going with that creativity. I love that. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think that, you know, I mean, we can talk about it a little bit, but, you know, even... Uh, you know, as you explore your creativity and, you know, my first foray into the creative world was always with performance and with acting. And I know for like a hundred percent fact that it's really informed my like career in styling of just imagining myself in my client's shoes. Right. So I think that's like an integral part of like what makes me good at my job is that I can actually like envision, okay, well, what's this person doing on a daily basis? Like, what does this person have to do? What, what would she like to wear? Right? So I always come from that approach of relatability. So it's not like I'm trying to put someone in a blazer that's like helping their kids off swings. And they're thinking like, wow, this is really uncomfortable or like getting in and out of cars and feeling really tight and restricted versus like having a movement. I'm always thinking, like how I would want to feel in my clothes. Absolutely. That's such a good point. And I have to say anytime New York Fashion Week, when it rains or something, I'm like, thank you. Because <laughs> now I can take inspiration from this because we so have true. a lot of rain here. <laughs> oh, my goodness. When did you realize that styling, like you could actually pursue a career in that and when was that moment when you thought, okay, I, I want to achieve that. I want to do that with my 
my livelihood. Well, I mean, I, you know, I actually have a, a funny story because I, I didn't have a traditional way into styling. It wasn't something I ever really kind of thought a lot about. It was something that sort of fell into place. I was feeling kind of frustrated with my acting career and feeling like I was undervalued for the amount of time and effort that I had put into my career and training and, you know, going out to lots of auditions and just feeling like, man, like, when is it going to be my turn? Right. And I, I feel like I wanted to be paid, like after all this, you know, trajectory of someone else looking, you know, say, say you had a job working at TELUS or Lululemon, you know, you start at the bottom and then you work really, really hard. And eventually, hopefully you'd get promoted and you kind of increase in your career. And I, in, in my career in acting, I kept kind of staying stuck, kind of going out for the same parts and just never making that big leap. And the styling thing came where I didn't even really consider it. And I had a girlfriend, I, I had worked in a clothing store, sort of while I was an actor. And it was something that I always loved. And I always loved the discount, right? Like who doesn't love a discount at a clothing store? And I certainly needed it with the money that I was making as an actress. <laughs> and um, so I, I had a girlfriend who was a stylist, and we were we were sort of friends, and she was going to have a baby. And she thought, you know, how about if you took over my business while I went on maternity? And I kind of was like, I don't know, like, I don't know if that's what I want to do. You know, I I didn't think of it as an opportunity at the time. Like I, I in fact, I kind of didn't really consider it because I was so focused on my acting career thinking like, well, I can't really do that if I'm going to do my acting auditions and whatnot. But then I was like, oh, it's part time. And, you know, maybe I can do it. And I, so I called her back, I remember. And I was like, you know, I think I think I will do it. I'll try. I have, I have no idea what I would do. But you know, I'll learn. And um, that was like a big leap for me. And probably one of those kind of quintessential moments in your life where you're just like, I think that there's something else working in this universe that put me on this path. And I remember coming home from like my first wardrobe where I wasn't actually quite sure I could really be more stylish than this person that I was working with, right? Like, I was like, what do I know that she doesn't know? And it was, I was so nervous. But you know, at the end of the day, someone paid me money. And they thought I was of value to them. You know, like I helped edit their closet. I made them feel good about the direction that we were going to go in and just like left with them feeling lighter and happier and productive. And I got paid, which was like a nice feeling after someone who'd been kind of struggling for a long time of just feeling like, I just really want people to appreciate me. And I also want people to pay me for my time and my worth. It became something as simple as that. And then I, I got a lot of referrals while I was working with her and on maternity and I kind of grew my business from that. And then every little thing that I've done, I've sort of, I've always been the type of person to jump in and then figure it out. (laughs) So like, oh, I think I could do that Uh, and do it and then be like, what am I doing here? Like, how am I going to do this? I remember we uh, together, this other stylist and I, we, we decided the room was opening up at the Hudson Bay. and. I was like, well, we don't want to be like a sales associate. We have some clients, you know, why don't we go and pitch a job share and be the personal shopper, 
Like what, who knows? What is a personal shopper? We didn't even really know what a personal shopper did really, right? We were like, help people. It sounds like kind of an elite job. Let's go for it. So we give up this whole contract, you know, we put, we submit this whole thing and they're like, sure, let's do it. So anyway, we, we sort of decided to job pitch and, and start this whole thing and then, you know, really figure it out. Right. So, you know, I guess my suggestion to others who are sort of trying to figure out a career is that sometimes you don't actually have to figure it out. You just have to go for it. Right. And somehow like having a bit of artistic talent and also really good work ethic. You know, I worked my butt off. It was so hard. It was like, I would cry because I just, you know, I'd walk around the bay figuring like, I don't, I'm going to get fired. Like I have not enough clients to like get the money that they need, you know, the sales quotas and everything like that. And, but I just kept showing up every day and, and trying my best thinking of new ideas. One client would lead to another client and providing a good service and good value. And also like caring about the details. That's something that I've always cared a lot about where you can have an outfit, but well, let's get the clutch, the earrings. Do we need something done with your hair? Like having that whole entire look, not just one dress. Yeah, no, that really resonates with me. And I think that is such a common story, to be honest, with people in any artistic field. Yeah, it's. I think that's such a relatable story. And I I really thank you for sharing that. It's. uh, I really appreciate that. So as I mentioned earlier, like you went to UVic. So was was acting like what part of the education do you think in the Phoenix program like really helped you once you got to styling, once you were at the room? Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I guess I think like the bravery, you know, of the courage that it takes to kind of stand up in a room of 20 people and bear your soul in theater class or try new things that are completely embarrassing. (laughs) Those are all skills that you can use in any career, really, right? Because the risk is, you know, either I succeed and it's amazing, or I fail, but at least I tried. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then, you know, I I did have a lot of contacts, I guess, in sort of the entertainment area, right? Like I did know successful actors and I, you know, got to work with them and bring them into the room and using those sort of connections to made that some parts of it quite easy. Yeah, no, for sure. That, that would definitely make sense. I mean, and I think that those contacts in the art world would certainly be very inclined to want your services as well, because I know, at least for me, like I like to describe myself as just a creative through and through. And so anything artistic, I'm like, I appreciate that. That is a piece of art you are wearing. Thank you for your time, designer. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Something that you do state in your bio is that as fashionable as you are, you are also like a true West Coaster. Mm Mm-hmm which I love. I'm like, yes, I'm also very sporty on the weekend. Thank you, Michelle. (laughs) Yes. So what is something like, how do you really kind of, I guess, debunk a little bit this whole idea that some people from the outside have that fashion is just frivolous and it's just vain, you know, because some people can really, really see it that way. And uh, I mean, personally, I think some of the most intelligent and really impressive people I've ever met have kind of a, a hand in that, that mm-hmm. industry in one way or another. Mm-hmm. But how do you 
debunk that a little bit when you have interactions with your clients? Well, I mean, I think like, I don't know, probably 90% of anyone that I work with from like the Vancouver, British Columbia area has like a huge sport aspect to their wardrobe, right? Where, you know, this is the jacket I wear when I go walk my dog. This is the outfit that I wear when I go hiking, you know, oh, this is what I wear when I go to Hawaii and, you know, we go surfing and we probably have the most diverse wardrobes in North America. There's just so many things that we we do, right, on a on a daily basis and so many things we need clothes for. So, yeah, I mean, I I've always thought that there was a bit of a I don't know. I, I guess I've always thought that people kind of put fashion people in a box, like, oh, we don't eat, we only smoke, you know, we wear heels and uncomfortable shoes and very we wear a lot of makeup and we're, we're mean, you know, mean girls kind of all together. And like, you know, we make fun of people who don't have nice outfits. And I actually don't agree with that. You know, I don't think that all of us in the fashion world are like that. Sure, there's a portion of people who, who are super snobby, right? And, and kind of give the fashion world a bit of a bad name. I've been to fashion week, it is not like going and sitting in a theater, for example, like it is sitting, you, you feel insecure, you know, no matter how stylish that you are sitting watching a big show and people aren't super like, Oh my God, isn't this exciting? Like, that's what I wanted to do. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, this is so beautiful. And I'm so excited and happy to be here. You just keep your mouth shut because you don't want to be that eager. You know, it's, it's about cool, but you know, it's, you don't have to be that way. I, I think you can be both things. You can be fashionable and you can be sporty. You can go on a hike in the morning and come back and go to a beautiful gala in the evening. And I think most people from Vancouver are kind of inhabiting that world of getting dirty and then cleaning up and looking great. Yeah, absolutely. No, I think that's so true. And I think when we were having this conversation preemptively before our interview, it sort of reminded me of Leandra Medine and and her whole mission creating mm-hmm. formerly Man Repeller, Now Repeller, where she really wanted to intellectualize fashion and infuse some humor in it and all that. And I I just love people like yourself who are kind of like saying, okay, yes, maybe there are some people who are a little bit snobby, but there's snobby people in every industry. I mean, yeah. I break it to everyone. I know. You know, like unfortunately, but yeah, I love that you really push that people, not just women, but anyone who likes to put a nice outfit together or anything like that is so multifaceted and has so many cool things going for them. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, I, it's, it's sort of true about just humans, don't you think, is, is yeah. that we're not perfect. We can do perfect things and then imperfect things the next moment. And it's the same thing with fashion. It's, you know, do I look great on, you should see me in the mornings on a Saturday. I don't, I don't look that great when I get out of bed, but I try my best. And that's what I've always encouraged in my clients is that we can do better. We can always do a little bit better as a human in our wardrobes, with our exercise, with our nutrition, we can just keep trying our best. Yeah. You know, one question I had for you, because you did spend quite a few years at Nordstrom's. How important was working at a department store like Nordstrom where there's lots of very iconic brands, but then there's also, you know, some more up and coming brands that you might be aware of? How important was working at a place like that to your education and fashion? Well, that's a, that's a really good question because 
you know, I, I do think people coming out of fashion school sometimes haven't looked around at the consumer nature of the business that they're entering. And working at Nordstrom or even the Hudson Bay, you're you're around brands and newness every single day. And it's it's exciting and it's new. It's like you get the drop of the newest of the new before even maybe it's posted on Instagram, right? It is really good for you to kind of know what the current is, almost trend predicting in a way, right? Of knowing what people will want to wear, what will be that hit purchase and how to recommend it to your clients. I mean, having a love of fashion and a love of just wearing amazing clothes helps anyone in any in their career in fashion because you can try it on and like love it so much that you could sell it in a second because you're just so enthusiastic about why this is the best jacket ever. Look at the pockets. I mean, the luxe fabric, like you just feel like a million dollars when you wear it. And then, you know, everyone's like, I want that jacket. So yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure your like performative side with acting and everything really helped with that too, because I don't know, at least for me personally, having worked with actors as a writer, like, I mean, they're just wonderful. They're very enthusiastic and out there. And I mean, they could sell anything. (laughs) There's so many different brands nowadays, like you, you can pick your favorites, right. And, and, and know why each brand is good at what they do and what, why the tailoring is good in this brand and why that's worth that much. You know, a lot of times people can walk through a department store and like, you know, especially at Nordstrom where there's such a variance in price points and say like, oh my God, this is like $5,000. Like it's not worth it. And it is it to some regard, like, you know, it's hand stitched and hand embroidered by 20 different people have touched that garment before it's on the floor at Nordstrom. You know, there's a lot of craftsmanship involved in making a beautiful piece of fashion. And, you know, it's definitely worth more than something that's made from a factory in China. So having that knowledge is a way to work with luxury, right? Because often people are like, I don't know why people would want to wear luxurious goods or why that costs as much as it does. And it it's informative for you to know those types of things so that when you put on a McQueen jacket, it's different than putting on an Aritzia coat. Not saying that Aritzia is not great, but it's just different, right? The fabric, the tailoring, the care. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you put it on, you're just like... Oh, oh, I have been uncomfortable in my clothes my whole life. You know what I mean? (laughs) Now I'm I'm living. I know. It's like, oh no, I missed when I was ignorant and didn't know. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. What made you though, you know, after working for for a while at Nordstrom, want to relaunch your personal business? Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I loved Nordstrom for lots of different reasons and you know, Nordstrom was great for so many different things. You know, it has access to all the greatest brands and great product. And they have great people that work there. You know, my coworkers, I just love to this day. But for me, I felt that I wanted to be where I could manage my own time, be more creative and sort of I guess be my own boss, right? Without having the sales pressure. As a stylist, you know, you can pick from whatever brand you want. You know, I can go to Zara, I can go to Holt Renfrew, I can go to Boboli, where vintage, you know, you name it, I can go to a fabric store and put something together. 
you know, at Nordstrom, you have to sell Nordstrom brands. And there's a pressure to sell a lot to maintain your status as a personal shopper. And I didn't love that aspect of my job. I may be good at selling things, but I didn't didn't love the 100% commission environment. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah, it sounds like you definitely have a lot of more creative freedom in that respect with personal styling. But I have to say, like, something I was curious about was work obviously looks a lot different for you now. You don't necessarily have coworkers in the office, probably mm-hmm. working from home. And although nowadays we're in a pandemic, so I know. <laughs> this is my office. Welcome, Michelle. Yeah. <laughs> But I was really curious to know, like, is there a styling or like kind of fashion union environment? Are you in close contact with a lot of people in the industry? Like, what's that kind of environment like? Yeah, I mean, that's a that's another thing. I mean, we're in a pandemic and it is not a great time to be in luxury fashion or sort of even a of luxury service really is what I am. I'm sort of an add-on, you know, where, you know, the clothes cost a lot of money, but then also having a stylist costs a little extra, right? Putting it all together. And I, I'm well aware of, of the fact that, you know, people, people are just not traveling. People are just not shopping. You know, I work with lots of, you know, CEOs of companies and there's just no events. There's, not a lot of meetings where you have to wear sort of a presentational type outfit. No one's getting on planes and traveling to exotic locations. You know, that whole side of my business has taken a huge dip. But, you know, at the same time, it's like, you know, I remember back in the spring when it was really coming down and I was like, oh my God, like, what am I going to do with my life? Right? Like, what do I do? And I guess the pivot point for me was, is like, no one can really, sure, you can take away shopping, I can, you know, you can't buy a handbag, but I still have the skill of my creative self. I still have creativity, you cannot take that away from me. Even in a pandemic, I still got it. So people are still always going to want that someone's interpretation, you know, art, you know, your advice, and clothing, as much as we hate to admit it, it's clothing, shelter, and food that are few human needs, right? We do need to put clothes on our body. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's always room in it. I, I, I chose to do a few more editorial type things, which I haven't done a lot of in my career, but for no other reason other than I was sticking in my lane, right? Like I was like, this is what I know how to do and I can do it well. And, you know, people had asked me over the years of like, oh, can you do this photo shoot? And I was kind of like, mostly actually to be completely honest, I was actually scared. I was like, what if I don't know what I'm doing? Like, what if I don't know? And I get there and I was, I don't know what's going to happen or how to do that. So you know, during the pandemic, I I did try it, right? I'm like, Oh, I'm going to try this again. And I've done certain things over the years, like brand personal branding is something that I feel is a natural slide, because I already work with people. And personal branding is is a good thing for me. So lots of websites and things like that. But you know, more of the fashion and the editorial I was nervous about. But when I went and and did a few of them, I was like, oh, hang on a second. Like, I do know what I'm doing. Yeah, sure. I don't know the logistics of like how to organize it properly. Or it took me a while to kind of <laughs> get get the clothes or I just pull, I pull so much 
you know, I was like, you know, I'm going to have to like limit how much I pull because there's certainly not enough hours in the day to shoot all the looks that I've decided to bring today. So, you know, getting the hang of those things. But like when I put them together, I was like, yeah, I, I felt good about it, you know, and I, it was just kind of getting me out of that mentality that was different, right? New, different, but sometimes the pandemic and lots of different things have forced us to go into areas that are new beginnings. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I hear that. And I, first of all, kudos for like going for something a little bit different, even Mm -hmm. though it's, you know, within your area, that's certainly been a a common theme of episodes I've recorded during the pandemic. You know, I had uh, a friend of mine on and she's like, so I'm a makeup artist. (laughs) So that's a no, right? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, is unfortunate. But yeah, I really, I'm very impressed with with how many people on this podcast have come on and said, so I'm pivoting. And I'm mm-hmm. like, good for you. That is so hard to do, even if it's just a slight tweak um, mm-hmm. to your business model. But yeah, I also wanted to, speaking of pivot, wanted to pivot for a moment to talk about some of your philanthropic work. Mm. In your spare time, you've supported organizations like the Dr. Peter AIDS Foundation and the Cause We Care Foundation. Can you tell myself and listeners about your involvement with these organizations and when you first started? Yeah, I mean, I I guess the Dr. Peter Center is something that I've taken a larger role in the last year, notably because one of my friends was like, oh, can you check this out. And we had done some work together at the Covenant House before, and it was like such an impactful night, the sleep out. And I love Covenant House for the change that you can see in these people. Like the the stories are incredible of just the change that occurs with a bit of support. So I'm, I'm definitely more inclined to see and attach myself to something where I can see notable change from the work that you put in and the money that's raised to create better lives for people, right? And the Dr. Peter Center is something that I really felt was such a great center. I mean, when you go to the center, you walk in and it's it's sort of like an old new house and they have, I think it's like 110 full-time beds and then the rest of it is a bit a day center. So they get two meals a day and the meals are great like they they're high calorie and they're 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 good food so you serve we I served breakfast there and some of the participants come in and you know these people are struck with addiction mental health poverty chaotic life and HIV and AIDS so you know these are people who it's not a glamorous type of thing right it's not like a newborn baby or you know something cute it's it's kind of like the, these people are really down and out they need the support. And for me, I have also, you know, I've said this before, where, you know, I've also had really dark times in my life before I started being a stylist. And I'm, I was in Toronto, and I needed help, like, and the only thing that really saved my life is that I had a family to fall back on, right? Like, you know, I was hopeless at the time, but I could call and go home and my mom bought me a plane ticket and I could go home, right? And I, I had, you know, my mom and my dad support me and, and lead me to people that could help and uh, friends around me that were healthy and made good decisions and, you know, stood by me in a, in a really rough time. So I had a support system economically and emotionally, right? And 
the difference between me and say someone who goes to the Dr. Peter Center is they, they don't actually have that. They come from traumatic backgrounds. They're on the street. They may have been abused. And the only safe place for them is like the street, which is, we know is not a safe place. And I felt such compassion knowing that I'm not that much different, right? That if my circumstances were different, I would be there too, right? I'm, I'm not you know, naive enough to think that that's not me. I just am lucky. So anyway, that that cause just really resonates for me and something that I, I believe in. I really love that you are involved with these organizations and uh, and make a point of pointing to them, whether it's on your social media or whatnot. I think that's so wonderful and, and great to when someone especially is sort of in like an influencer position, if you will, like to, to spotlight those those things that matter and to to take a second and acknowledge like that not everything is great all the time. And mm-hmm. I do a lot of marketing work and a, a big question that's been coming up a lot is, okay, what do we do now? Like, you know, people aren't necessarily buying into our stuff. And the thing I've just been saying to everyone is like, just be there for people. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. people are feeling all the human emotions right now. Mm-hmm. So I really, really appreciate on a personal level that you are so involved with these organizations. I think that's wonderful and uh, and a great reminder that, yeah, it's uh, it's important to help others. Yeah, I mean, it, sometimes when we do feel that bleakness, you know, of like, oh, like I've, where you look at your calendar, like I looked at my calendar this week and I'm like, man, like I used to be busy. And I'm seeing like a lot of openings, right? And instead of just like staying home and watching Netflix or doing another two digital workouts back to back, there is an opportunity for us to like get in there and get involved to help others, right? Because inevitably, someone is worse off than you. Here I am sitting in my home in Dunbar and got heat on, I've got food in the fridge, you know, I've got lots of clothes to wear. Uh, (laughs) So... It's like, well, what what can I do today that's going to benefit the community, like, or people around me, or my friends, or call up? You know, if I'm having a bad day, you know, the best thing I can always do is just call and say, "Hey, how are you today?" Because who? Why do we have to be so self centered <laughs> to think that like it's all about us? And I, I think, especially if you're on Instagram and you're in fashion and you're posting these fashion pictures, and it's like, look at me in this outfit again, and you know, you think you're you're providing value. And I know that there's lots of people out there who are like, thank God you're providing lightness. Um, it's like, you know, watching a piece of theater. It's like entertainment or, you know, allowing people to kind of escape for a little bit. I know there's a portion of fashion that's like that, but it can also make people feel really bad because they can't have what you're suggesting, right? Or it looks like, oh man, if only I had that shirt or you know, I would never be able to afford that. Or she's at this store that I, I just, I wish I could shop at. And it, it has the reverse effect that Instagram is not always healthy for a lot of us, right? So I think it's important to focus on other things that are helping people. And to know, like, it's it's very hard to know what to share on Instagram, too, of like, you know, some, sometimes you're having a really bad day and you're like, the last thing I want to do is like go and talk about how terrible my day is, you know, and no one wants to hear that. But I think that there's an element of people wanting to know that you're a real person, right? That things aren't always great for you, that I don't always buy the clothes that I'm wearing. Like I can't afford, you know, 50,000 handbags. It's just not my world, right? I'm, I'm 
sort of normal, you know, in, in uh, who, how do you even explain that? But it's not like I'm flying around on private planes or, and it's just, it's a relative normality to where you are. But the last thing I would want to do purposely is make people feel bad. Yeah, no, I think that's great. And, um, and I think, and I think that's why I really loved what you were posting in particular was it, it didn't feel like it was about necessarily you have to buy this exact <laughs> piece, whether you can afford it or not. That wasn't the suggestion. It, I think what's wonderful is when artists do show up online in a way where it's like, let's be creative together, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that's cool. And if you can afford this luxury version of, of what mm-hmm. I'm showing off or if you, you know, go to Zara instead and find like a cheaper alternative great mm-hmm. or if you don't buy it at all and you're just like this is entertainment thank you i'm mm-hmm. having not a great day yeah yeah i think instagram is such it's such a complicated world i've yeah i've certainly spent a lot of time working in social media and it's it's uh it's complex and i think i had a really wonderful conversation with a friend of mine who's an artist sandy mare and we were talking about that conversation that we have with ourselves where when we go on social media it's like okay what's my intention today mm-hmm. why am mm-hmm. i on here is this good for my brain today or is this not good for my brain? And and that's hard even as like adults to pull ourselves sometimes out of those slumps. But it's so important because especially right now, I just feel like globally, like everyone's mental health is so fragile right now. Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah. And I, and I, even to further that too, it's just like, it's just having that compassion that not everybody is standing where you are today. Right. Yeah. And, and lots of people are having great experiences in the pandemic. I'm, I'm not even kidding. Like people are like, I love it. It's such a break. It's so much nicer. You know, I get to spend more time with my kids. And then, you know, the vast majority of other people having way different experiences, right. Where it's just like, things are crashing down. Businesses are just going bankrupt. And, it's like there's no possible way for you to resonate with everybody on that given day, right? You know, even your friends, you're like, you're, you can post something and your friend might take total offense, right? Yeah. Whereas someone could just write you a flood of um, direct messages. You're so great. So funny. I love it. And it's just like, you kind of just have to stay true to who you are and have like what you said too, is just like, well, what's what's my intention today? Like, is it kind? Is it valuable? Is it, you know, um, helpful? all those kind of things of, of monitoring what you're, what you're doing and, and then navigating that incredibly tricky world of trying to make money and trying to have more likes and followers and, and build your brand, right? Like it's, it's a very tricky world. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah. And I love that point you made about just being like compassionate because someone said one time, like, to me that your intention for being on social media should never be to get validation because it's always going to be a 50-50 split. Like you're not, that's not Mm -hmm. the place to find it. And so, yeah. And I think just trying to stick to your values, like that's all you can really do when showing up online because it's a, yeah, it's a beast. (laughs) Well, yeah. And, and, and it is valid. Like it's, it's really hard not to feel validated from, people giving you lots of nice comments, right? Mm -hmm. And it's really hard not to take it personally when someone doesn't say something nice, you know, and I've, I've watched, I've watched it happen to lots of people on Instagram, where it's like, without they get a 1000 comments of of amazing likes, and you're fabulous. And one person singles something out. And it just ruins them, right? Like just ruins their whole entire day. 
Yeah. So that is the thing, a benefit of not having, you know, 100,000 followers. Luckily, I don't have that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we want it. No, we don't. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, such a tough life. <laughs> Same. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah, right. My goodness. Uh, that segues really nicely into my next question, which is just, I'm sure clients who come to you, like everyone, they have a different background, they have a different budget, different interests, body shapes, everything. I mean, I'm sure it's a very diverse clientele. So when people hire you for either like personal styling or shopping, how do you ensure that they leave feeling empowered? Because some people might, I'm sure, like walk into their consultations with you and maybe aren't feeling it. And that's why they're seeking out your services. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think that people often come to me who are ready to have that sort of transformation, you know, unless it's someone who's like, oh, my husband bought me this and he thinks that I should get dressed, right? Or, you know, my sister thought I needed this. Those those are, those are clients are kind of a bit trickier because they're not often mentally ready, you know? Right. But people who have called, who have like looked online and lots of people, you know, have followed me for say six months and then finally call, right? Knowing that, okay, yeah, I'm assured that she's not going to take me down the wrong path here. I like her style. That's how you choose a stylist anyways. It's like, you know, you kind of align with like, okay, that's the direction that I like and that's where I want to go. She seems like relatable. You know, that's the best way to build your business anyways, is just show examples of who you are and, and what what your vision is, right? I mean, I've always professed to have a bit of high-low. I'm not afraid to wear Zara. Also know lots of luxury brands and and love those too, right? And I'm not afraid of them because I think like sort of the mentality of like less is more. You know, would you rather have one amazing Max Mara coat or 15 Zara coats? It's going to be eventually, yeah, one, right? But, you know, we're all at, at different times in our lives. But yeah, I think that people, I want to know, I guess I want people to kind of feel, okay, here's a good example. Sometimes I find that people in the business world or whatever are actually dressing down on purpose because they don't feel like they'll be acknowledged for smart if they dress fashionable. So they're quite scared of fashion. Fashion will make them feel stupid, frivolous, care about the wrong things, and not smart. And I really try to break that because what's that really saying about all these creative, visionary people who are very smart and very intuitive? And, you know, I, I guess I'm just like, so you think all fashion people are stupid? You know, like you can't go into a boardroom looking like a million bucks and dressing like for success because you don't want people looking at your clothes and not your brain. I don't I don't know if they have those same problems in say New York where I feel like that would be just normal that you'd walk in with a McQueen dress and throw down your amazing proposal for some project you're working on. But I find that in Vancouver we're a little timid, right? We don't have a ton of, you know, women in the financial world as much as say Toronto or it's just, you know, it's different types of jobs. So I guess I would want to encourage people to be more bold, to try uh, something that they wouldn't have tried before. And, and it doesn't have to be in an extreme way. It can be in subtle ways, right? Like sometimes people are like, oh, puffy sleeve. Like, oh, no. Like it, it, that, that's just 
how, how's that going to work? And it's like, just try a little bit of a puffy sleeve, you know, see how that feels. And then stick with your pencil skirt and stick, you know, stick in your suit, but just try. It's like going to a hairdresser. And if she cut off your hair the first time you ever saw her, you'd be horrified. So she's going to give you a slight little trim, right? The next time you go back, you're like, okay, yeah, that was good. Can you cut off a little more? You know, and it, it's like this slow process to like all of a sudden, a year later, you're like, look at my hair. I am in a bob, you know, and, and that, but it was a slow melt, right? And, and it's the same thing about working with a client is like, you get to know each other. I, I edit the closet. There's lots of things that people want to hang on to sometimes at the beginning, right? They're oh, not really, but like the second time I come in the spring, they're like, you know, ever since you said that I should get rid of that shirt, I've never worn it. You know, okay, I'm ready. Like, take it out. Like, I'm not going to wear it. But it takes a while for people to let go of their old ideas of who they were, right? And working and engaging with someone who's going to help, you know, just like you would an interior decorator. like, I'm going to find the great pieces for your house that you wouldn't necessarily have found, right? Things that really are meaningful to you. It's the same thing with your wardrobe. It's like, we're looking for things in a direction that's fresh, that's new, that's modern, that is the new you, right? Because today you are different than you were yesterday. And I'm often encouraging women to be bolder versions of themselves, more confident versions of themselves, like unabashedly like themselves, wearing color if you're stuck with neutrals or, or just embracing texture if you are someone who sticks to blacks and whites and camels. There's lots of ways to be more chic, you know? Yeah. I love that. I love that that uh, motto of like, you know, trying to empower people and be more bold with because I feel like when someone I know, at least for me, maybe <laughs> I'm a creative person. And when I put on a great outfit, I'm like, We're yeah, ready. like <laughs> I go in the zone and suddenly I'm like the presentation half half ready. Yeah. Now it's ready. for sure. Look at that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it, it can give you that extra boost of confidence. And I think what I really picked up too on what you just said was there's a sustainability component there mm-hmm. as well. I, uh, yeah, I, I love that too, because I totally agree. I think it's, it's great to, if you can like have something that you really, really love that makes you feel awesome when you walk out the door, maybe that's slightly better quality. It's going to last more years than just like, you know, tons and tons and tons yeah. of repeats of the same thing where you're kind of like, okay, now I'm clearing my closet all the time. Is this really the approach I want to take with with my wardrobe? Yeah. And I, I do think that people, I mean, w- when you do spend a significant amount of money on your closet, you shouldn't have to spend that significant amount the next year. Like that would mean you're working with the wrong person. You know, you should be having those pieces in your wardrobe for multiple years until they're like worn out before you give them away, right? Like it's not like, oh, I don't like this anymore and I spent $500 on this shirt. You know, that shirt you should wear for as long as it wears out. And if you have that point of view, you can you almost look at it a bit differently because a lot of people are are scared to really spend the money on a stylist to invest in their wardrobe, right? Mostly because a, they maybe they don't want to invest in themselves. They feel like, oh, well, I should just spend the money on the kids. It's kind of a selfish pursuit or whatever. But you know, if you think about the long term effect of just having a constantly new wardrobe from a fast fashion boutique, throwing those clothes out, keeping getting more, you know, maybe finding the wrong stuff, and you spend a lot of money over the years of just stuff that you don't really love. 
And I know that the people that I've worked with, it's like, yeah, it, it, it was an investment, right? It's because you're investing in yourself and actually buying a wardrobe. When we go and you do a wardrobe overhaul, it is a significant amount, you know? So it's, I think it's important for people to realize it's like, it is, it's like buying a really nice dining room table. You could definitely get the one from Ikea and it's perfectly fine. But when you buy a nice dining room table, I hope that that lasts you 10 years. Yeah. And one last question that I did have for you, like I said earlier, like I just love that you really make a point of supporting small businesses. You're from Vancouver, so you're often featuring local businesses there. What are some, just as a Mm -hmm. question, what are some really fabulous local stores and brands that you recommend people check out, especially for the holidays as that's quick? Well, I am very well averse in this because I've just done my little holiday tour last week and uh, man, like. It was like so, so fun to go to all these boutiques and see like old friends and really see what they had in store. Cause there's a, only, can't get the feeling of things unless you go into those boutiques. You know what I mean? So there is a portion you can do online, but it's so much fun to kind of do a little tour. And it's just, it's interesting because they're all the stores are in different areas. Like there's some on commercial drive. Like I went to Gatley on commercial and they have such a unique amount of, really cool gifts. Like if you want needed to find a few little things for your family members or things like that, there's like really cool pottery and candles and like my favorite socks, those Laban shop socks are the best. And little, little gifts that are unique that you wouldn't find say at a big department store. And same thing with Eugene Chu. I was up, like, I hadn't been there in a long time. And I was like, why haven't I come here? It's, it's he has such great stuff. The accessories, I, I love accessories and I love finding like cool, unique jewelry. Um, and I'm often sourcing so much online and it often comes from the States, right? Because we just don't have a ton of stuff available here. But that store had the most beautiful, I think it was called Eye of Needle, beaded, handmade earrings. And then there was another like New York, like it looked like mid-century art earrings. And I mean, I just was like, ugh gosh, I just want to stay here all day and look at all of this stuff. So, so many boutiques in Vancouver have spent so much time curating an amazing assortment of really beautiful things. And they've gone to New York for us. We don't have to go. They've gone to LA. They've found like little cool things in Mexico and brought them back to their shop for us, like Vancouverites to enjoy and, and be able to purchase, you know, international beautiful things. And it's important to recognize that, you know, it wasn't like that when I first started. We didn't have a lot of shops. There wasn't a a significant amount of fashion in Vancouver. And it was kind of sad, you know, and now that we have it, we don't want to lose it. Like, I don't want to lose all these beautiful boutiques and all these people's hard work because of something like the pandemic. So the more that we can not click on Amazon and go and shop local, I think is so important for our community. I mean, these are people who, you know, their kids go to the same schools as us and, you know, their families are really supported by our love and support. Yeah. And I also think to look at it too, as you know, when you're shopping online and and various things, like you have to kind of put that, get in that mindset of, okay, 
how is this going to fit for me on the West Coast? Is this going to work for my lifestyle, for the weather, for all these different things? And when you go to these local boutiques, like they also mm-hmm. live here. They, you know, they've, they, they're in that mindset when they are curating mm-hmm. that stuff for their store mm-hmm. for you. And uh, I also love, like I, I saw the one pottery mm-hmm. piece that you featured, the little planter from the, from a, the designer in, uh, in Victoria. And it's, there's so much love putting to these pieces. And like you said, like, these are, these are our neighbors, this is our community. And, and there's so much talent out here. Like I know Vancouver isn't necessarily known as like the fashion capital. We don't have like a fashion week that's as large as say Milan mm-hmm. or Paris, or whatever, but you know, there's so much talent mm-hmm. here. And, uh, and so I really, really truly appreciate that you featured so many local businesses on your Instagram and just just in everything you do. Yeah, I mean, I'm not done because I still have a whole bunch of stores that I'm going to try and get to this week. I had so many messages on Instagram, so stay tuned because there's going to be more more tours. There's lots of stores that I still feel like need to be showcased and even just drawn attention to, right? Like we're like, oh, right. Like I can look at that one online and see if there's something there. It's like, I wish there was a little bit more of a directory in some ways of figuring out what what you like and matching it with some of the boutiques. And um, it's almost like the Uber of um, shopping, you know, Shop This City is trying to do that. It's one of my girlfriends. Um, uh, she has an Instagram, Shop This City. So I think her app will eventually kind of do that for us and find things locally, which is such a cool thing. But yeah, just kind of looking looking on our neighborhood and figuring out who who we want to support in our neighborhood too. Yeah, that's huge. I know anytime I love personally shopping at little boutiques and like having those interactions with people and and also even if you consider yourself like a stylish person, there's something so fun about walking into a store and uh when it's like a small little boutique and and kind of creating mm-hmm. an ensemble together with mm-hmm. that person. I, I don't know. I love that experience. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. Emerald green is my color. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, and if you think about it, it's like I even when I, I probably went to, I don't know, I can't remember how many stores last week, but every time I went, I, I met the owner of the store. So like that has to tell you something. Like these people are like there every day, you know, working hard to open their store. And and it's 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 the love of, of what they do. So it's important to recognize that you'll meet the owner of the store. Like he can tell you why he picked that brand or she can explain to you why, you know, she really loves this piece of art or whatever. And I know too, for like holiday gifts, like I love gestures as well. And so there's something really special when you can kind of tailor something Mm -hmm. to the person you're shopping for. Like my friend is a, a wonderful jewelry designer in Vancouver. And I was like, you know, I think my folks are good for jewelry. They're like, mm-hmm. we're, we're good. But I think mask chains, oh, like I cannot yeah. find mask chains. And I was like, weird question, would you design some? Like you have this beautiful sea glass. And I was like, I just love the aesthetic. And she's like, heck yeah, yeah I'll yeah, do yeah. that. And um, so there's something very personal mm-hmm. too when you can shop local and, and have those lovely interactions with whether it's the designer themselves or the person who owns the shop and, and create something kind of, Special. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I think like especially because Vancouver has gotten so cosmopolitan in the last few years, if anything positive has come out of this pandemic is that we have so many, like what you said, it's like talented designers, talented people in this city that are doing great things. And if we can, we we recognize that now and we say, okay, you're here, we love you. Same with the restaurants, right? It's like, we don't have to always ha- eat at a big chain. It's like, I want to eat from this cool little one you know, one-stop shop or, 
or something. It, it, it's just makes such a valuable difference. So yeah, I think that's the positivity of, of the pandemic is that we really have become a little bit more community focused. Yeah, I, I absolutely, I have to agree. Well, thank you so, so much, Michelle, for coming on the podcast. It was a real honor to meet you. And thank you for just being so open to sharing your story about your whole career and all your other interests. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. I mean, it was so lovely to talk to you. You're easy to talk to. Oh, <laughs> I could talk all day to you. <laughs> oh, thank you. That's so sweet. Same to you. And uh, well, thank you so much again. And uh, yeah, have a wonderful, wonderful rest of your day. Thanks again. I can't wait to listen to it. To get in touch with Michelle and learn more about her services, reach her on Instagram at Michelle Addison Style or go to her website at michelleaddison.com. That's the end of this episode of Suited Up. Thanks so much for listening. For more information, follow Suited Up Podcast on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review this podcast. See you next time. 